It slices, it dices, it makes all your dreams come true. The Creators Collective provides information not only on woodworking, but metalworking, leather, electronics and more. But that's not all. It also comes with three hosts to answer all your creating questions. Now, listen along as James Wright, Zach Herberholtz and William Walker fumble through answering your questions live each Thursday morning. Listen in now and you can have this amazing podcast for the simple monthly installment of a Patreon subscription. But we're just getting started. And we're back for another exciting episode of the Creators Collective. This is episode number 99. And uh, we are on day, what is today? Today is 10-4. 10-4, good buddy. We're doing 99. <laughs> As Roger, you can tell, Roger. this is going to be a fun week. Um, and we still don't know what we're going to be doing for episode 100. We have to uh, discuss that a bit more. So stay tuned for the fun to come. <clears throat> yeah. So I think we're actually going to skip next week because Zach is going to be in Europe. <gasps> Yes. Uh, and then we'll do something fun for 100 the following week. Yes. And that will also be our creator's challenge pick day. I'm going to Europe, you idiot. I'm going to Spain. <laughs> <laughs> so I just I just noticed that there's something sticky on my desk, and I don't have any water, so I tried to wipe it up with something that's less sticky, <laughs> hoping, hoping that will improve the situation. <laughs> See how that goes. Anyway. Use some WD-40. Yeah. Uh, Cool. And we're, and we're derailed already. Yes. <laughs> so I want right. to say a huge thank you to our patrons on Patreon, particularly Darren Mates, Caleb Harris of You Can Make This Too, and John from John Made It. Thank you. You are helping us uh, uh, make this channel better. Make Brooklyn suggested that we do a naked episode for 100. <laughs> Nobody wants to see that. Yeah, the, the chest hair stays covered. Sorry. <laughs> I have like one chest hair occasionally. Just one occasionally, <laughs> like every now and then, you, and like you know, you look down, and you're like, "How did it's like four inches long? How did that happen?" Oh how, man, how did I not notice this? It's fun. I've actually got this glorious uh, eagle shape in my in my chest hair. It's awesome. You know, so. you guys make this harder than wrangling bulls to keep on track. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to talk about my majestic chest hair. Speaking yeah. of chest hair, this is, this is definitely our least popular podcast ever. <laughs> People are already tuned out. <laughs> Except for that one guy uh, who's like sitting in front of his computers with like a bondage whip going, oh boy. <laughs> oh, I don't know who wow. that is. Probably Probably there's got to be one out there. I think it's Izzy Swan. Yes. Uh, <laughs> all right. What's happening to you, Zach? Um, so yesterday was actually a really fun day. Um, one of the few normal people in my state and area uh, who's also uh, a maker and started doing YouTube a while ago, Derek Ons. He's usually in our live chat. Um, he came over and bought my old forge, my NC Tools forge, and uh, we forged him a hammer or most of it. We're going to come over and hand. I think he's going to come over tomorrow and we're going to put a handle on it. Uh, so he made one for him and one for me. I realized that I'm on my 15th hammer and I don't have any hammers that I've made. Like I'm not, I'm not using any of my own hammers. I have a texturing <laughs> hammer, but that's not something that I can like use daily. Um, so I had this idea for um, a hammer that let's get all physics-y here for a second. Uh, force equals mass times velocity squared, right? That sound familiar? Something like that. Yeah, no, it's, that's exactly what sure. it is. But <laughs> so, um, you know, it, a lot of people since i've been doing the hammer things everybody's asking me like oh what should i have what should i what's a good starting hammer i love lightweight hammers like 
I mean, there's certainly a case for larger ones, but I feel like it's it's like this typical thing that when you get started in blacksmithing, you're like, I want the heavy, I want to swing the heavy, heaviest hammer out there. I want the heaviest one. And uh, that's great for like a week. And then you pick <laughs> up like a 12 ounce hammer and you're like, this is the best thing ever. I mean, 12 is pretty light, but it's just whippy and fast. And, um, you know, I think when you're working under like half inch stock, you don't really need anything over three pounds, um, you know, below that. It, and it, it's easier. You have more control. You can hit where you want to hit. It's just a, a better, a better system. So anyway, going back to that physics equation, um, I think I'm, I'm kind of, I made a two and a half pound, which I think is a great starter weight. Um, so anybody listening out there, that, that would be my suggestion is like a two and a half pound rounding hammer, uh, for like your general kind of smaller, more, you know, ornamentally type stuff, unless you're working really big stock. But so I decided, okay, I'm going to make a two pound for myself and put a long handle on it, trying to really, trying to really maximize on that velocity part of the equation. Cause an increase in velocity is exponentially greater than an increase in mass. Uh, you you increase mass and you're only increasing, you know, in that equation, m times velocity squared. So, you know, if your if your mass goes from a one to two, you're only doubling your force. Whereas if your velocity goes from a one to two, you're four timesing it essentially. So it's Especially exponentially as the greater. You get to the speed of light. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no. So what I'm trying to do with this one, I'll, I'll let everybody know how it works out. Is making a slightly lighter hammer with a longer handle, and trying to really maximize that velocity on there, and see if I can see how it works out. So yeah, it's, that's like my, that's where my head's been the past few days. But yeah, uh, what else? Getting ready for Spain and uh, Rome, uh, Pompeii. I'm really excited to check that out. So, uh, I think that's about it. Just oh, schedule yeah. it around those eruptions. Yes. Yeah. I think I'm good though. I don't think there's, <laughs> it's been about 2000 years or something. Um, yeah, I sent out, uh, I think Brett, I don't know if you guys saw that hammer that I, uh, forged and engraved and tempered that I oh, sent yeah. out to Brett. The, the roping around it. Yeah. Um, I, that was my first, first, uh, attempt at hand engraving with a, a chisel and a, a hammer and it is very hard, but very fun. It's kind of relaxing. Mm-hmm. Very meditative. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, what did you do to? Huh? What did you do to, the, to get that finish on the hammer? It was like a. It wasn't the like a normal gold. steel color, right? No. Yeah. So that's just tempering colors. So all that is, is certain. I mean, if you take a torch to <clears throat> a clean piece of steel, you'll notice when you're heating it. Like first, it'll get like like kind of a straw color, and then it'll go brown, and then it'll start to get like purple and blue and like there's all these different colors that it goes through as it as it uh, changes temperature and so i have a an even heat oven so i can get very very precise with my tampering so uh yeah about 450 degrees or so for two cycles at two hours got it to that color um the thing with tampering though is it's not i mean it's just like a surface I don't even know if it's an oxide. It's just, it's, it's kind of a, it's a very surface level thing. So if you take anything sharp and scratch up against it, it'll just go right back to bare steel. So like hold, uh, certainly the faces won't. Uh, I think Brett said he was going to try and like have like blast it with some sort of lacquer or plastic coat or something to try and keep the color on. So we'll see how that works out. I mean, the faces certainly won't, but it was just, 
I kind of wanted to make a piratey hammer for him, so uh, yeah, went went gold and black with it. But definitely a cool ever, hammer. Yeah, ever since I posted that, I mean, I've probably had like ten people that want me to do custom hammers. Kind of <laughs> cool. Yeah. cool. Well, what about you, Will? What you got going on? Oh man, yesterday was a bad day. Uh, <laughs> so. I went to install, so I did these built-in cabinets um, for a client, um, which isn't, I don't get super jazzed about, like they're not, you know, they're not enough uh, superlatives in the description of the cabinets for me to get excited. There's no live edge, curly, figured anything. Um, it's the just painted. cabinets. Yeah, right. <laughs> they're just painted white built-in cabinets. Um and so I did the cabinets, and then the somebody else was painting them. The painter was on site, so he said he would paint the cabinets. I said, great. So I dropped off the doors um, so you could paint those before I installed the doors. He painted them. I showed up yesterday to install the doors, and I made the doors an inch too short Ooh. on either side. And I was cursing a lot in my head, and the client was on site, so I had to oh. not curse a whole lot. Um so I had accounted for the their overlay doors. I had accounted for the doors, the overlay on the on the width, um, so left to right. And because I was building them back in my shop, and I just jotted down measurements, I jotted down the actual opening measurements and and not accounted for up and down um, to add a half an inch on the top and bottom, so an inch total. And so when I go to put the doors up, I realized that I made a huge mistake, and so I had to leave there drive the 45 minutes to my hardwood dealer, pick up more soft maple, bring it back to my shop, mill all the stock, rip it down, make new styles and rail profiles and put together new doors, which uh, I did. And they're now in the back of my truck. And so after this episode, I'm going to go back to the client's house, drop off the doors so they can get painted. And then Tuesday, I'm going to go back and install the new doors. It was just a totally wasted, totally wasted day. And uh, not to mention me and my three-year-old have been in a constant struggle in the mornings <laughs> lately. Uh, Zach, you don't have kids, but uh, but James, I, I know you understand the three-year-old young child mentality where you can't argue with them just because everything you're doing is wrong. Uh, but anyway, so that was yesterday. Um, I just released. Maybe you uh, can my build her a timeout box with your old doors. <laughs> yeah right yeah that's uh, definitely yeah morgan you have to sit in here and, and just close it yeah eh, what happens by you know what happens in my house doesn't need to be public um <laughs> uh i just released the my marking knife video um and i tried to i made a marking knife out of an old saw blade and i tried to include as much footage and discussion about how I got to the point of thinking of knowing that the steel had enough carbon in it to make a knife that would hold an edge. Um, if you go to like bladesmith forums and things like that, you'll read a bunch of questions. Can I make a, a knife out of a saw blade? And on those forums, the general consensus is no, it's just mild steel. And that is not what I found. Um, I, I hardened it. Um, I spark tested the, the steel. I hardened it, and sh it shattered under a hammer. So I know that it wow. was yeah hardenable. Sign. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of like you know, nanny nanny boo boo knife forms. Um, 
And that video is actually doing pretty well. Um, I also started a live a maple curly figured ambrosia maple live edge coffee oh my table. God. <laughs> This is getting ridiculous. See the- we need to like reset. <laughs> we need to reset keywords. Like this is it's. You know. <laughs> All right, it's just a maple coffee table. Yeah, like that. That's. I mean, unfortunately, like it's. This is what it's come to. Like this is what YouTube has done to us. Like. YouTube loves all of these adjectives. So everybody's titles are getting more and more and more like ridiculous. And it's not our fault. We're just like trying to play the game. I'm wondering, I still like, this is going to be refreshing. Maple coffee table. That just, that's feels good. Like that feels so much better. (laughs) Coffee table is one of those keywords. Well, that's fine though. It's, it's something that somebody would have having a conversation with somebody like that's what you would say. I made like, a maple short small table. Yeah, like like if you're having a conversation, like you know your in laws come over and you're like, yeah, this is a maple coffee table. Yeah, it's easy. It's nice. Yeah. So that so I was just trying to describe the characteristics of the wood for the for our listeners. Yeah, but, yeah, I, I, I get it. I get. Uh, it. I totally get it. No, but on my website, when I put it on my website to sell, I'll come up with like a cool name for it, or like you know maybe maybe like a totally. Um, Hip, yeah, Bob, <laughs> just the Bob table. Um, and I won't call it all those adjectives on the, the website, it'll be like the um, like those are, those are great uh, in the item description. Like, that's I mean, that's good info, but on YouTube, like, you totally want that in like the in the search bar. Like, I'm guilty of it too. It's just the way oh, yeah. the world is. Uh, but you can see the start of that coffee table on my Instagram, um, and Facebook. Uh, but it's 31 inches roughly by 60 inches. Um, and then I'm thinking I'm going to do some sort of walnut base. I was going to do steel, but then everyone on Instagram said, do walnut. And so I said, okay. <laughs> and stop adjective bullying me, Zach. Make Brooklyn says. <laughs> funny. Um, I'm also working on uh, making some, because it's like, totally the start of fall here in Virginia. Like the leaves are starting to change colors and they're all falling off the trees. It's beautiful and nothing like Florida. Um, Hottest September, hottest month on record ever in recorded history last month, September. Nice. Well, that's, I'll, I'll take that over. Uh, it has been the wettest year on record in Virginia ever, but you'd rather have 2018. You'd rather have like 92 degree heat right now with, 100% 100% humidity. Really? Yeah, I, just a, really I, just put a pool I just put a pool in. Yeah. <laughs> I will take that over the monsoon season that we've okay. had. How do we arrange that? Absolutely. Let's make it happen. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. But uh, so I'm doing, um, I'm, tr- I'm experimenting with making uh, different species leaf and wood block prints. Um, I'm thinking about, uh, so I'm doing like red, red, red oak, white oak. Poplar, beech, maple. And I'm gathering all these leaves and then making uh, prints out of them. Um, like where I rub the ink on it and then I put it on paper. And, oh, cool. Yeah, make art. Um, that, and I just started uh, making photo boxes for some photographer friends of mine. Um, like high-end, like deliverable boxes to put prints in. Um, so... One photographer said that she'll probably buy 30 or 40 of them this year. So at 100 bucks a piece, and I can batch them out. That's that's a pretty good profit. Call it 4,000 bucks. Uh, so 
that's a new endeavor for me. Uh, and other than that, I think I think that's pretty much what I got going on. How about you, James? Cool. Uh, well, I was at the National Midwest Tool Collectors Meet this last weekend in uh, Iowa, and that was a ton of fun. It was the best meet I have been to so far. Huge, huge amount of tools for sale. Um, just really, really cool. But I actually got to take the entire family. So my wife came and kids came, and so we got them all tools. And my wife spent a, a while shopping for herself, and we had a we had a fun time. Uh, but yeah, if if you ever are looking for hand tools, that's the place to go. Uh, the next national is in Peoria, uh, Illinois, in June, and usually the spring meet is the bigger of the two. So I'm expecting this one to be even bigger than the last one. So yeah, um, book your calendars now. It's gonna be fun. Um, other things going on. Oh, the dining table. Ooh, I'm finally I'm finally getting on the dining table. This this week I actually finished all the joinery for the base, so it is constructed. And we flipped it over and actually got to see the table. And I hopped up on it and took a really nice picture with it. Um, I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was one of those moments because we, we flipped the base over and put it down. And then we flipped the top over. Well, we, we attempted to flip the top over. And then we attempted to flip the top over again. And then we attempted to flip it over the third time and finally got it. Uh, with just two people, it was uh, it was quite the wrangle, uh, about 400 pounds or so. But yeah, Luke, uh, the guy helping me, uh, sliced up his hand on the epoxy while flipping it. But once we got it flipped over, looked at it, it was just like it was one of those moments of oh my word, and it's Did not you say even he sliced his hand on the epoxy. Yeah, huh? The sharp edge. But uh, I am so looking forward to this thing. So I'm going to be doing uh, over the next two weeks. The videos will be coming out on the finishing of the joinery, uh, carving on the base. I'm going to be doing a bunch of Celtic weave on some of the diagonals. And uh, yeah, and then it'll be all the finish work, all the chamfers, cleaning up, smoothing the surfaces, and then actually finishing all the pieces of the base. And it won't actually go back together until I take it up to the, the up space upstairs. So it's all in pieces until then. And then we can start working on finishing the underside of the top, get that all cleaned up, shaped, finished, then flip it over and finish the top side. And then I can bring over the crew and lug this beast upstairs. So <laughs> if either of you are free early November, uh, it's going to be fun. Yeah. Uh, so I'm getting how, how heavy was the top? Did you calculate the weight? It's about 400 pounds. Whoa. It's Whoa. beefy. But I mean, we'll be getting, uh, you know, those appliance dolly straps that you can, you put the strap underneath the appliance dolly and two people mm -hmm. can carry uh, so we'll get two of those so four people can easily carry this up the stairs. Um, 100 pounds a piece is not much of an issue. So it, it really won't take that much time. A lot of people have been worrying about how am I going to get out of the basement, but it's it's all been taken care of. <laughs> I just I just need three other people with decent backs. Not, not me. <laughs> I've, got a, I've got a bad back. How, how old are you guys? Uh, 30. Two, but I feel like I'm 70. 35. Yeah. yeah. 34. Well, look at that. We're all right in a row. We're all within three years of each other. But you uh, guys, you guys are both so much more mature than I am. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Have you seen that Instagram picture I put up yesterday? <laughs> no. The, where you're laid out on the table? Yes. With my uh, clogs and everything. With your clogs, your sexy, sexy clogs. <laughs> oh. uh, see what else I have. Uh, I was working well, on mallets. Oh, okay. Um, for uh, uh, Tally Ho, because I was out there and he 
didn't have a decent mallet and he's doing a lot of um, pounding wooden pegs in for the, the ship. So I took several pieces of the live oak that he's actually making the ship out of and brought those back to make mallets. So I finished the stabilization and actually finished Tuesday. <laughs> I don't so, know why. Sound like you said McMallets. Like it's like a fast food, fast chain of not mullets. Mallets. So that uh, video will be coming out uh, actually in about an hour or so. So if you're listening to this on a podcast, then it's probably out. But yeah. Um, let's see. You had a you had a question, Zach, from the audience. What was it? I did. So somebody asked me like three weeks ago about if I could talk about the differences between a power hammer and a hydraulic press. And uh, I forgot for the past two weeks, but I remembered now. So um, I, I'm probably not the best person to ask because I don't really have much experience. I don't have any experience firsthand using a power hammer. I've seen a lot of them being used, but uh, my it's kind of it's really hard to to summarize i mean they they kind of do they they there's a lot of gray area between the two of them they could do a lot of similar things but i feel like uh you know the press is better at some things and the power hammer is better at others i would say that for what appealed to me because i was considering a power hammer initially um is one of the big things since i plan on moving honestly is that usually with the power hammer you need a reinforced foundation because there's just a lot of lot of energy getting smashed right down into your floor, and it'll crack your foundation if it's not thick enough. They're super loud. Um, I, you know, it's probably not as feasible to have one in a neighborhood like a suburban area. There's a hydraulic press, is you know, it's not quiet, but it's not near as loud. Uh, so that's something to consider. And we're going to be moving within hopefully the next year. Or so I don't. It's just a lot more of a hassle to move power hammers around than presses. Uh, but as far as like the function is concerned, um, I would say a power hammer is much better for clean stuff for planishing. You can, I mean, you have control over how hard it hits, so it's a lot easier to draw things out and to taper things and, and kind of make smooth transitions and that sort of thing. I feel like it's a lot better for that. Uh, the hydraulic press though is it's very, I would say it's probably better at dimensioning things. I mean, you get a piece of metal hot enough, you stick it in there and you smash it. However, <laughs> to whatever size you can put stop blocks in there. I'm sure you could probably do the same thing with a power hammer, but it's just, I mean, you see videos of it and it just, you know, it, it, it's unbelievable just seeing, you know, a, a press smash down a four inch chunk of steel or a five inch diameter piece of steel down into a pancake. It's unbelievable. So I'd say for like dimensioning and that sort of thing, uh, I would, I would say for hammer making, I think for, for me, it makes more sense to use a hydraulic press. Although Brent Bailey makes amazing hammers and he does it on a power hammer. So they, they share a lot of territory, but, but there's certain pros and cons. One of the things that I like, uh, James, are you talking? Uh, I was, but my microphone is off. Oh, okay. <laughs> Um, but one of the things that I like about the press is, I mean, with the power hammer, you, you get it ready and you just, you go. And with the, with the press, you can kind of, kind of arrange things and line things up and get your tooling where you want it and then go. So it's not quite as, you know, you, you, you get everything set up and then feel like you have more time to set up the tool with the press. Whereas the power hammer, you kind of have to adjust things as you go. Um, I don't think one's better than the other. I just think they're they're different. It kind of depends on what what you're trying to do. So I don't know if that's a hopefully that answers some questions, but that's that's my take on the situation. 
A Jim Dockrell uh, says a power hammer goes boom boom and a press goes squish squish. Yeah, that's probably a better better uh, explanation than mine. <laughs> uh, that is cool. Have you thought about getting into other things other than hammers and pure metal stuff with your with your hydraulic press, like making dies for making like pans and, and sautés and things like that? I think that would be super cool. And I can't remember, I can't remember if it was Jeff Fetter or Fader. Um, somebody has they they introduced me and I'm following him on Instagram. I just can't remember the name, but there's somebody Blanc out there. Creatives. What's that? Is it Blanc Creatives? I think so. Is it BL? And it was yeah, and it was me. That that was me. I introduced oh, okay. you to them. <laughs> B L A N C or K C. Yeah, Corey Corey Blanc. Yes. Um, super cool stuff. Like that. I think that's like one of the most cool creative things that anybody is doing out there. I mean, who it's just something that you wouldn't think about doing like instinctively. You'd think, oh, I have a press and a forge. I'm going to either make knives or axes or, you know, hammers or whatever. But this guy's making like cookware, like really, really nice stuff. It's just super cool to see. So have you yeah. seen my shop tour in his shop? I have not. I will. Oh, have to link. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's an old we should put that in the chat too. Um, yeah. I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just kind of going where the the wind takes me. Like I, I never have any plans for more than a day ahead of schedule. I can't, I can't do it. So uh, I do. I did try an axe or a hatchet the other day, and it was a fail. It wasn't a bad fail. It was like a learning experience fail. But I think the next time around, I'll be able to get a list. Cool. We'll see. Well, we have another question uh, from Make Brooklyn. Uh, what is the skill you picked up that you never thought you'd be able to do? And he kind of modifies it a little bit later with, uh, what's a project outside your comfort zone that you've been putting off? Hmm. Come come back to me on that one. You guys, you guys start. <laughs> well, for me, I don't think that there's ever really been a project outside of my comfort zone that I've been putting off because it's outside my comfort zone. Uh, usually if it's, if it is something that I haven't, jumped into something i don't know that makes me want to do it more and so it's it's on the, the very edge of my list and so i'm, I'm just waiting until i get through something else like I, for the table all of the epoxy filling uh that i've been doing on it has has been something new and somewhat scary but i, I was really itching to get into it until i finally got this project so i think the next hmm. thing for me is stone carving and uh I'm combining that with chasing and wood carving yeah my answer is pretty much the same i feel like i almost only do projects that are outside of my comfort zone. Like that's, that's what makes them, that's what gets me the most excited is like learning a new skill. I'd say if it's not outside of my comfort zone, then I'm probably not very excited to, to try it. Hmm. Uh, was the question, what is something or what was something? Let me, let me well, read he the had both. What, uh, what project outside, what was a project outside your comfort zone that you, that you have put off? Or uh, what is a skill that you had never thought you would be able to do? Uh, okay. So that big, uh, this twin pedestal dining table build that I did out of the walnut a while back or a little while back, um, those pedestals, like turning something that big and that massive and that just that I put off for a long time uh, because I was scared of the project. Um, and then it turned out, really great and and the client loved it and i feel like i picked up that new skill um and that yeah that was that's that's my answer 
<laughs> was that ped- those pedestals were insane. Yeah, for when I was all power tools, um, anything freehand scared me because you know, power tools are all about setting up the jig. You freehand and power tools is is just not a wise thing most of the time. <laughs> um, uh, you usually have something you're doing. I mean, other than like you know turning or like bandsaw work, um, but there's usually a fence or something that's guiding you. But carving really scared me. It was something that was like. It, it's completely freehand. There is nothing guiding you. It is all your imagination. Uh, it was one of those things that once I, I first tried it, it was, oh, okay. And suddenly all the magic disappeared from carving because it just became so obvious of how it was done that it, it wasn't a fearful thing anymore. But I think that's probably the closest thing I've, I've come to. Hmm. So, yeah. Uh, let's see. We got another question from Jeff Gruff. Uh, what is a good durable finish to use on a desktop? Something that tolerates keyboards and mouses scraping. So I feel like this is a two, uh, you know, kind of a, a what direction do you want to go? Do you want something that is durable for a while, or do you want something that's easily renewable? Um, where yeah. where something like Danish oil isn't necessarily that protective, but it's super easy to renew it. Yeah. Um, where you can just go back and reapply when you get those scratches where if you have a film finish um, like a polyurethane or uh, a wiping varnish uh, wiping urethane something like armor seal um, that's super durable but it also you can get scratches in it um, so I don't know what do you guys what do you guys think I tend to like things that are more easily renewable um, yeah. that's that's actually something I get quite a bit because I use boiled linseed oil and paste wax so often um, it's not a durable finish. It it it's, it actually doesn't really create a finish. Uh, it just it it just kind of colors the wood and hardens it a little bit. And so it's it's something that very easily will dull. And I reapply my paste wax, uh, boil linseed oil, once every six months, once every year to most everything I've made. Um, and I it's one of those creative things that it just every time I, I add it on there, it's like that whole the color pops again and everything comes to life. And I like that. Um, but for like the tabletop, um, I, I do like using poly. I like using a wipe on poly. It is, it's protective. Um, I mean, nothing is really protective, but it is a, it's a good finish that will protect from most scratches and sliding and, and most things that rub up against it. Uh, and it's not that hard to, to refinish either, uh, with a little bit of buffing and then another coat of poly, it takes out most all, um, issues other than deep scratches. So I, I, I do like that, but it is—it's a lot more work to to redo. It's not something you just wipe on and clean off. Um, but that being said, I do end up usually putting paste wax on top of my poly, and that uh, that I'll redo every now and then. So, so I used to spray. I used to use um, water-based poly and like spray everything, mm-hmm. and it's a really good finish and it's held up well on all the pieces that I've done. But like spraying finishes, and maybe it's because I don't have like the proper like space to do it in. It's just super stressful. Yeah. I mean, I feel like when you spray a finish, it's like, it's, it's just like, I dread it because it's so like, you have to get everything so even and like the temperature has to be right and it has to be in a clean environment. I haven't really had any issues, but it's just like never, it's never a fun part of the process. Um, I've had a lot of, I've really enjoyed all like the buff in products that I've done. It's just like stress-free. It's simple. You can get them quickly. Uh, so I'm, I'm a big fan of, like you said, renewable versus durable because nothing like 
I mean, nothing's going to hold up to a yeah, even like a like a thick epoxy. Um, you know, give it a few years and the, the epoxy dulls and it just yeah, doesn't look just, good. It doesn't. Yeah. I mean, so. And yeah, the go nice, to any Mexican restaurant and look at the tables. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the funny thing is, too, is that like the 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 harder the finish and like the more durable it is, the more stressful it is to apply. Yeah. Which. Well, know, I, I'm actually going to be I've been experimenting with Rubio Monocoat and I'm going to be finishing the table with that. Um, and I've, I've been kind of liking it. So I use that on those those uh, like office Adirondack chairs that I did with steel and walnut. And that worked really good. It smells great. It smells like candied apples. I remember. Yeah. No, but, it's uh, a fairly stress, stress-free finish. Yeah, too. super simple. Um, I want to, next time I do something, I'm probably going to try this stuff called Odie's Oil. I've heard a lot of really good things I've, about it. I've never used it. Yeah, I've heard a lot about it too. And I it's, used it either. And I think it's just... I'm sure it's the easiest thing to apply. Like how, how great is that? that There's finishes that you can just like rub or buff in and be done. Like, that's amazing. I feel like that's one of the biggest invention, like one of the best inventions in the past 20 years is like a furniture finish that you can apply with a rag and be done in 20 minutes. Like that's unbelievable. I really like uh, applying armor seal uh, with, with a rag. I wipe on my armor seal, but I also do like five coats on a tabletop. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, so we got the uh, creators photo challenge. We don't have anything due this week, but, uh, are we going to do it on the hundredth episode? Uh, to be decided. decided. (laughs) Stay tuned to find out. We won't be, we won't be recording anything next week. We'll be uh, taking a week off and then do the hundredth the week after that. So stay tuned. But, uh, if you get your pictures in, we are doing grain as in wood grain, steel grain, grains in the figure, um, film grain, film grain. Uh, whatever your creative grain is, take a picture Grains of it. Grains like oats. Put it on Instagram and Amber tag hashtag creators photo challenge, and you will be entered to win something. I don't know. Maybe for the 100th, we'll give away three prizes. Ooh. Uh, ideas. We'll see. We're still, we're still <laughs> working on our on our logo, uh, so we'll have shirts and other swag. <laughs> We've only been working Same. on it now for, what, 60-some uh, episodes? So Something like that, yeah. <laughs> I think we agreed on it, though. Getting around to it. Cool. Uh, Joke of the week. We have a joke from Jeff Gruff, and I I really, really like this one. Um, If a guy with no kids tells a dad joke, is it a faux pas? Uh, I like that one. That is a good one. Thank you, Jeff. So if you have a joke you'd like us to tell. That one has some genuine cleverness in it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, it's kind of a weird setup, but it's a good bet. It works. <laughs> if you have a joke you'd like us to tell, feel free to send it to one of us, and we'll get it on the list and uh, mention you in the podcast. So um, let's talk about what's inspiring us. So, Will, what you got? So I think I've mentioned uh, his channel on the show before, but uh, Green Beetle, um, who usually makes knives out of weird stuff like like BBs or fishing hooks or scalpels that he like melts down into the steel and then makes a knife out of it and has like crazy patterns. This one, um, it's a pretty straightforward, just knife making video. Uh, he took a piece of coil spring, like 5160 or other spring steel. Uh, he wasn't really sure what it was, but um, he made this really absolutely beautiful. Uh, he calls it a trout and bird knife. I could see it being used as like a, a kitchen utility knife or something. Um, but it's just really just beautiful. It had a redwood burl handle. Uh, it's an integral 
bolster, um, threaded tang. It was just, it was really just awesome. Um, really, really inspiring to me. So, because I'm getting into knife making, if I haven't, I know I've mentioned it before, but uh, yeah, Green Beetle, check it out. Well, uh, for me, I'm going to give a shout out to uh, Harry Rogers. He does um, a bunch of different things, woodworking, leatherworking, um, and he always is showing off interesting traditional techniques, and he did one on cedar shakes a while ago, uh, but he had a video recently come out on making a chair in one day from the tree standing in the woods being cut down and turned into a chair by the end of the day, and it was uh, one of those things that it's even knowing it can be done and knowing the skills required to it, it's still rather impressive because yeah. it, it's steam bent. Um, it's all the joinery. There's no glue in it and the chair holds itself together and dries as a chair. And it was a really impressive uh, series. So uh, definitely worth taking a look at. And it's a little bit longer, Did, video, that, but worth every minute. Is that the same one? Is he a British guy? Um, was that the one where it was like a, a, a woodworking club yeah and they all did it together yeah and they're in like west essex or something like that yeah <laughs> okay yeah i saw that it was, it was pretty crazy he's got some he's got some other cool videos uh, i really liked his cedar shake series that was impressive cool but, how about you zach do you have it in your sheet is blank um i yeah i'm just gonna give a shout out to my friend uh cliff dufton um, again <laughs> what's that <laughs> i said again i feel like yeah. i know cliff no, absolutely. I mean, I'm somebody who I've been getting a lot of influence. And I said, that's the guy I went up there with him and John Ariani uh, from Sunset Forge. And I mean, one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot this year is like the most, some of the most valuable things and meeting with people and having them show you and learning their process is like, if you have the ability to do that, if there's somebody whose work you admire and you you, you feel like you could learn a lot from them, send them a message and, and see if you can go up there and learn from them for a few days. Uh, you know, what I, what I spent for a two-day instruction is so cheap compared to the amount of knowledge that, that I've gained. And I'm looking at, <clears throat> I'm looking at like some of the hammers that I'm making now. And I'm like, I can't believe I'm doing this. Like, I've never, I mean, not that I don't mean that to sound conceited, but like, it's just one of those, those things that I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to do this if I didn't go up there for a few days and learn from Cliff and John. And, uh, I, I'm constantly, when I have an idea or a question and I'm, I'm trying to figure out, okay, I have this idea on this thing I want to make. Um, they're, they're my contact. I can, I can send them a message or call them up and they always have, they know what they're doing. So they're, I mean, they're some of the best in the business as far as, uh, making things on a press. So if that's something that you're interested in, I, I suggest Cliff. And also, like I said, if there's like, I, I can't like next year, other than other, the only other than putting money away to move, which is what we're doing, I would spend every dollar I have flying around the country, spending two days in people's shops and just learning. Yeah. I mean, there's, it's so, I, I cannot express how valuable that can be. I mean, hands-on doing it in person being able to ask questions send them a message you know see what they charge and and put yourself up in a hotel and learn you'll you'll come back and whatever whatever money you paid to learn you, you're going to make back in a matter of months from that knowledge that you're going to have for the rest of your life so that's that's definitely been one of the highlights of my year was was that trip up there and just the amount of knowledge and experience i gained days so 
Sweet. Well, do you have a tool of the week? Uh, I do actually. I've used this one before too, but there's only so many tools. Um, the tap and die set from Gear Wrench. It's like their their big uh, kit. Let's see, it's like two hundred some piece or one hundred fourteen piece tap and die set. It's one of those things that like I avoided buying for so long. I just always go to the store and buy like the one that I needed. And every time you need to do something, you need to go buy another one. But this thing has like got a ratcheting head on both sides. So you, which is, it's crazy that it took so long for somebody to put that together. Um, <clears throat> but it's just so nice always knowing that you have pretty much every single uh, thread and, you know, thread pitch and size and tap yeah. and die available. Cause it's nothing more frustrating than when you're mid project and you strip something out and you have no tap and die or no other nuts and bolts. Like <laughs> it's just, it's one less thing. I never have to worry about that problem now. So um, yeah. And plus Sweet. like retap retapping something is just like one of the most satisfying things. I don't know why it's like a minute ago, this first... did, a minute ago, this didn't thread in there. Now it's so smooth. It's just satisfying. I think the first time I ever made a, like a bolt, like out of, you know, just round stock, like, uh, and I made a thing that like, I needed a very specific, like length something. And I was like, Oh, I'll just make my own with the tap and die set. That was incredibly satisfying mm-hmm. yeah yeah uh what do you got will uh so uh i want to go with my hurricane one inch roughing gouge uh for my lathe uh hurricane makes really affordable turning tools uh so when i first started turning i picked up some just to see if i liked turning uh, without spending a bunch of money on like sorby tools or or something like that um but the tools have held up really, really great. Uh, I think it's a great entry level uh, brand to start with. And roughing gouge is just a lot of fun when you're spindle turning. Um, so these doors that I had to remake and put the 35 millimeter bore in the back of the uh, in the back of the door to accept the hinge. The first set of doors, um, the guy painting them, I asked him if he could keep paint out of the holes so that the hinges would still fit. And he said it took a really long time to paint around them and because I felt bad for having to have to remake the doors and have him repaint the doors, uh, I made a, I turned a little plug that fits in that 35 millimeter hole so you can paint the doors over the plug and then just pull the plug out and so you don't get any paint in the holes. Um, and I did it mostly with my, with my roughing gouge. So that's what I got. Sweet. Yeah. Well, for me, I'm actually going to go with the traditional English joiner's mallet. Um, as I just made a huh? set of those for uh, uh, Tally Ho, they are, I, I don't know why, it, it is, it's just, it's, it is the perfect feel of a mallet when you want to, when you want to impact a chisel or push something around made of wood. It has that, that nice balance to it and it, it feels good in the hand and having a good joiner's mallet is a fantastic thing. So definitely worth taking a look at. I'm kind of curious for everybody, like what sort of like met, what steel hammers do you guys use the most in the shop? I would say for like uh, a non metal worker, like either a claw or a ball peen, I would think. I have, I have both <laughs> and I, I reach for, you know, whatever one I need. Uh, like, I use a split face, but it's, it's a wooden face metal mallet. Wooden um, face metal mallet. Okay. It's it's a it's a it's a split mallet. So the, the top and the bottom of the mallet actually come apart, so you can put in wooden faces and then they clamp back together. Huh. Um, 
used to be fairly common. Um, a lot of people will put other things in there, such as rawhide. Um, and so you can get the heft of a steel mallet with the impact of a wooden mallet. It feels really good. But I think huh. straight metal, well, for me, it's the plane adjustment mallet, uh, metal hammer. Yeah. But ball peen would probably be second. Yeah. Because huh. I grew up in a, you know, in a, in a construction background. So claw hammer, my 22 ounce S-wing is definitely like my, my go-to. It's got a long handle. You can use it's, it for everything. It's weird how like 22 ounces feels so heavy on a claw hammer, but for like a rounding hammer, it's like super light. Yeah, if well, it's two on the, heavier. It's on the job side, if you had a, if you had a light framing hammer, you were called a sissy and, and everyone made fun of you. So yeah, yeah. at 12 years old, I got myself a 22 ounce S-wing. Yeah, huh. but there's always got to be like that one guy who's got like a 16 ounce hammer that's just destroying everybody else around him. Well, I had a I had a, a 16 ounce titanium hammer, uh, so it was the same size as a 22 ounce, but was easy enough to swing, and I really enjoyed that one. Huh. Like uh, you see, you see like farriers, and like man, those guys know how to swing hammers, and they're not using heavy hammers usually, and like they will outwork somebody with two three times the hammer. Typically, that's just a blanket statement. I don't know. I'm definitely a proponent for the lightest hammer that you that you can well, get they, away with. The the thing with a with a with a bigger hammer on a construction site is the ability to drive a nail in with one swing. Yeah, and yeah. You're you're going to be swinging the 22 hammer as fast as you'll be swinging the 16. Yeah, um, yeah. There's certainly so a limit. End up but... being a very different impact speed or a different impact force. Cool. I think. But wait, we have... back. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, I have we a got question. More? I got a question for you, James. You were talking about your joiner's mallet. What degree do you put on the face of your joiner's mallet? Uh, I don't know. It's like Ish. that degree. Yeah, hang on for a moment. <laughs> Let me go measure it, and I'll give you an exact degree. <laughs> Putting a – what? I'm confused. The, on a joiner's mallet, the, the faces oh, are at I an think, angle. So, yeah, I did – I think on mine – I did like mine was really small. I think it was like it was definitely under five degrees. It was like let's, let's see what we got four, here. Four degrees, I think. Three or four degrees. It is. I think I cut mine at five because it seemed like a. Good I number. think I did three and four, and I liked the three better. Mine is at five degrees. Boom. Hmm. Yeah. Well, it depends uh, on how far away from the head. If you're if you're holding a mallet back here, then you only want one or two degrees. But if you hold it up here, you're going to want more. Yeah, that makes and sense. A mallet is traditionally held right about there, huh. whereas a hammer is t traditionally held out here. So, differences. Mine's the one that I made two of them out of southern yellow pine, and uh, they're still. Everybody's like, "That's not gonna." The thing holds up. It's held up great. I've had it for like two years. That one's everyone. Good. I made mine out of uh, soft maple uh, because I had it and it was green, and everyone said that it wouldn't hold up, but it's yeah. totally held up. And then I, what I told I mean, everybody, what I told everybody was. If it breaks, I'll just make another one. Yeah. I mean, you're not, you're not like joining, you're not like using it to drive punches. I mean, you're tapping on yeah. wood, other wood. And chisels. So yeah. I have a whole series of them. I have a, a Douglas fir mallet. I have a cherry mallet. I have a walnut mallet. I have a, a, a ash. I have oak. I have live oak. Um, I have a maple. Oh. So I don't know if you guys saw the story like last week. So I had a, a cricket player. You guys familiar with the game cricket? Yeah. Sort of. Oh yes. Um, yeah, I don't understand it, but I know. I know. I, so I, I always like. I had no idea. Like, I, I have my concept of like any sort of European sport is. I have no idea what's ever happening, how they work. But uh, I, for some reason, I'm like, yeah, like cricket, croquet, whatever. Like, 
you know, old people doing <laughs> stuff in their yard and it's anyway. Lord rubbing no, off on hand, like, no, hand cricket pastor is, is killing it in the live in the live chat right now. Cricket uh cricket is insane. Like this guy showed me videos of it. It's like they're hitting that stuff at least as far as like baseball. Like I mean, it's crazy. They don't have gloves. It's like way more intense than I thought. Anyway, this guy came by and he had some bats that he wanted me to lighten up. So I had to like, I used the Arbor tech and ground off the back and sanded it and stuff. But uh, I thought it was really interesting that their mallets are made out of willow. Doesn't mm -hmm. that seem it's, and I don't know anything about willow other than my little tiny bit of experience working on those bats, but it seems like a pretty soft wood. Like it was yeah. very, splintery yeah. and light and like it just didn't it's very flexible though yeah it felt like i mean i would have thought and i'm obviously wrong but i would think like that would probably be one of the worst materials to make a bat out of and uh i don't know but apparently that's what they do it with but i was talking to him like why doesn't somebody do this out of ash i feel like it would be revolutionary or something <laughs> harder i don't know or, yeah ash or hickory yeah yeah something something that's actually hard <laughs> you know but i I don't know. Maybe it's a weight thing or a balance thing. So that was just an interesting question that came about. And I... <laughs> cool. <laughs> Finishing strong. Yes. Well, now that we have uh, wasted way more of your time than we should have, <laughs> I do want to say a huge thank you to our patrons on Patreon. And if you'd like to find out more about that, you can go to patreon.com backslash creators collective. You can join us here each Thursday at 9 a.m. Central Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time, and we will be rattling on for another 45 minutes to an hour or so. Except for next week. We won't be here next week because uh, Zach will be in Europe. And then when we come back, we'll be doing the 100th. Stay tuned for more fun. Yeah, if anybody happens to be in uh, Barcelona or Rome in the next few weeks, let me know. <laughs> cool. Well, I think that about does it. So until next time, have a wonderful day. See you guys. Later. Thanks again for listening to The Creators Collective. We publish weekly on Thursdays in iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. You can follow us on social media pages everywhere at Creators Collective. We're also live streaming every week on Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Just look up the YouTube channel to join in on the fun of the live chat and get your questions answered live. And until next time, keep on creating.